Thank you for joining us on the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org. This week's message is by Steve Fowler. Got your Bibles. Uh, go to Luke chapter 5. Luke 5. We're going to look at this passage here shortly. And uh, if you didn't bring a Bible, there's one in the pew rack in front of you. Go to page 855 and you will find this story. It's a story about a miraculous catch of fish that involves Peter and James and John and Jesus. It's a, it's a great story. And uh, we're on the front end, edge of, as, of reach as we've been talking about. And uh, we, we are a people who are committed to uh, our neighborhoods. Uh, we, we want to be invested in our neighborhoods, but we're also people who are engaged in the whole mission, meaning that while we're investing in the neighborhoods, we have our eye and our hands are getting dirty in the nations as well. And that's made easier because we're part of a global family. Uh, our denomination, the Christian Missionary Alliance, uh, as, as, as Jeff and Kara were kind of f- having fun with in the trivia game, but the, we're, we've, got, we've got international workers all around the world. And so we get to do this here, and what we're doing here, we get to do there, and, uh, and we get to learn from each other in the process. So what I want to do from looking at Luke chapter 5 is just talk about four lessons for us as we engage in the global work of Christ, and uh, a point of application for us. Just four lessons, four things we can learn from the story as we think about the nations, and then one way we can personally, or more than one way, several ways we can personally engage in this mission together. Luke 5, verse 1 says, One day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now, go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time, their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I am such a simple man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. And Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. This is God's holy word. Four lessons and and, and a way to engage in the mission that Christ has given to us. We're going to dive right in. First lesson is this. The potential is vast. The potential is, it's way bigger than you and I would ever think. Now, this is a story where we have Peter and James and John, they're, they're fishermen. And some of you know that before I became a pastor, I was, in, I was in the fish and tackle industry. I used to fish for a living. And let me tell you something about fishing as it happened with these guys. They've been fishing all night and they haven't caught a thing. In, in, in fishermen's language, they got skunked. 
They get skunk and they're back at the shores and instead of cleaning fish, they're cleaning their nets and mending their nets. It's been a disappointing night. It's been a frustrating night. A hope had drained out of them like, a, like water from a bucket with a hole in it. And I've fished before. I've taken some people fishing. And one time I was taking this guy fishing. We're on a river. We're fishing together. And we're not having much success. Fishing for steelhead and, and some salmon in the river as well. Nothing's biting. And my friend yells at me from down the river and says, there are no fish in this river. This, this is what happens when you're fishing and you're not catching anything. Angst begins to build. Frustration, disappointment starts to set in. And this had to be what Peter was feeling as he had this very unproductive night of fishing. But he's there cleaning his nets, not, not cleaning fish. And the rabbi, is Jesus, is, is preaching and he gets in Peter's boat, pushes it out. And the sound is sort of bouncing off the lake water. And it's, it's traveling to the crowd. A great crowd is there. And he's preaching. And then he's done preaching and says to this tired fisherman who's been up all night with no success, hey, let's take the boat out into deep water and let down your nets in the deeper water. And Simon had to just kind of, I just imagine kind of a sigh like, yeah, we, we tried that. You know, uh, he, he's a fisherman. He, he's got a small business. He's, it's a commercial fishing business. And he, he's a fisherman. He knows that 90% of the fish are in 10% of the water. It's kind of hit and miss. They, they call it fishing because, I mean, they don't call it catching. If, if they call it catching, it'd be great. We'd all be fishermen, right? But he's exhausted. He's tired. But he, here's the preacher who's saying, let's go out the deep water. And out of honor and out of respect, we say, oh, okay, we'll... We'll do it. And they go out and they have the catch of a lifetime. Jesus gives Peter the best day of business he's ever had. He just experienced the worst night he's ever had as a business owner. But today as a business owner, this is the best day of business ever. And what it shows to Peter is that, yeah, you've been working hard and you haven't been hauling in fish, but there are fish out there and the potential is amazing. Friends, I don't know what kind of news you're listening to about what God is doing around the world, but some amazing things are happening. Rob Basham and I were invited to speak to some, uh, some international pastors and national church presidents a couple weeks ago in Frankfurt, Germany. There were people from Australia, from South America, from all over Europe, and from all over the Middle East. It was such a privilege for the two of us to be there teaching and speaking to them. And as we're teaching and speaking to them uh, from God's word, we're also being able to sort of sneak in and listen to some of the stories that they're telling us. One of the stories that was told to us was, was, was told to us by a couple uh, that, that are international workers in Eastern Turkey. Uh, the Middle East historically has been a very hard place to serve. Some of the, 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 the folks, the missionaries, international workers who've been there over the years have said that when they sow the seeds of the gospel, when they're tossing the seeds of the gospel out, that the ground was so hard, it wasn't soft and fertile. The ground was so hard that it was like throwing seed and the seeds bouncing off the rocks back at them. I mean, if you had one or two folks that gave their lives to Christ in those years, that was That was great. Well, this couple is in eastern Turkey, and they're sowing the seeds of the gospel, and they begin a house church in their living room. Now, here's a picture for you, um, and we've, we've sort of uh, fuzzed out the, the face of our international worker there, um, because this, the, you know, if this picture was seen, it would, it would, just, it would cause problems for him. This is, a, this is a pretty significant house church uh, in, in the Middle East. And uh, so these two are sharing uh, Christ in, in their living room, and guess what? 
We got people who are, who are becoming followers of Christ. And they're doing church in their house. And uh, their neighbors then uh, hear the singing and hear the praying. And they're a little irritated. And they're, they, they complain to the landlord. And the house church is forced to move out of that living room. And uh, they have to go set up in this little rented hallway that they have. Here's the next picture. And, and, and what, it hap- what happens here is, is more people are hearing about Jesus. And they're responding. And more people have questions. And so now they're in this little rented hallway, seats about 25 to 30 people. And, and friends, this, this, is a, this is a decent church in the Middle East. To have that many people, that's significant. Uh, and they're praying and they're worshiping and the owner of this building hears complaints. And actually, these folks were evicted from this location. They got kicked out of this location because it was attracting too much attention to what was going on there and it was risky. And so they moved from that location and they found another place, this place here. And now there's, there's this, this room can seat about 150 people and they have somewhere between 120 to 130 majority faith background people who are now showing up for church. And many of them are giving their lives to Christ and being baptized there in that church in Eastern Turkey. It's phenomenal, but the potential is vast. But it doesn't stop there. Because these two international workers that are connected to our family, they're reaching out in this city in eastern Turkey. And then what they're doing is they're doing Alpha online. Now Alpha, we do Alpha here. Alpha is a, is a, is a small group ministry that uh, is an invitation for people who are just, they got questions about faith. Or they're new to the faith and they're just trying to figure out you know, you know, who is God and how to read my Bible. And, uh, and we do this here and, and they're doing it in eastern Turkey. And they're also doing it online. And the way that these two, they use Alpha is, see, it's online. And if you watch an episode, you watch an episode, then you write a little reflection paper and you send it in. Well, what's happening is because this city is in eastern Turkey, it's very close to the Iranian border. And there are people in Iran who are taking the episodes of Alpha and they're writing the papers. And these two who are in Eastern Turkey are saying that, hey, if you'll, if you'll finish all the episodes and do the work, we'll pay for your travel, we'll cover your visa costs to come into Turkey, and we'll baptize you. And people are doing this. They're taking Alpha. In fact, in fact here's a picture from just three or four weeks ago of people coming. These are, these are Iraq, new Iraqi, new Iranian believers in Christ. These are new members of our global family. Friends, the potential is vast. Think about this for a moment. You know, if you've ever been disappointed, you've ever felt like hope was being drained from you, this story from Luke chapter five, don't forget it, because the potential is vast. Take the nets out, drop them in deep water. Jesus, that's what he says to Peter. Here's the second lesson from this. It's simply this. Nothing's impossible, Jesus. Pretty simple. Jesus goes to impossible situations and makes things possible. It's, he just, he's, he's the God of the impossible. And Think about this for a moment. Think about someone that, that you know that you would say, man, this is someone who's very resistant to conversations about faith. This is someone that wants nothing to do with religion or spirituality or uh, it's just like, hey, you just keep your Jesus, that's great. Don't, don't, don't bring him near to me. Maybe it's someone you work with. Maybe it's someone that's it's in your home, it's a relative. Maybe, maybe it's, an, it's an average people group or a country, a nation. You, you, got, you got the face or the country in your head? Here's the thing. What seems like impossible to us 
It's full of all kinds of possibilities with God. Here's another story from Rob and, and my, my trip to, to Frankfurt, Germany. We got to speak to those, those workers from all around the world. Uh, there's a guy who's in Afghanistan. He's an Afghani, and he's in Afghanistan, and he joins the Taliban. He becomes a trained killer. He's a trained killer, and then he gets the job of, uh, he, he becomes so good at what he does that he gets put in charge of executions. His job, when it comes to an execution, is to put his foot on the head of the person who's violated the law or has been a traitor. He takes a sword, raises it high, and says, in the name of Allah, the most merciful God, I execute you. And he swings the sword down. That was his job. You think about a hardened man, how much death and violence that he was involved in. Well, one day in Afghanistan, as he's working for the Taliban, he's got the sword lifted high. He's got the foot on the head. He's saying, in the name of Allah, the most merciful God, he goes to swing the sword, and then this, this question kind of enters his heart. This dissonance gets into his heart. How is this merciful? And this question, after he finishes his job that day, begins to fester and build within him, so much so that he... he, he he escapes and he, he flees for his life from the Taliban and he joins the hundreds of thousands over the de- last decade, millions, who have fled their countries for a variety of reasons, for, because of war, because of religious persecution like those who are leading us in, in worship today. Um, uh, he, he flees, he, he's on a boat, gets into Europe and somehow crosses the path of one of our international workers in Europe, which by the way, there are 300 uh, people entering into Spain, every refugees. 300 refugees entering just the country of Spain every single day. That's 9,000 refugees a month. Uh, Pew Research Survey says by, by 2050, 14% of Europe will be Muslim. Now, think about this for a moment. I don't, I don't know how that, what, what, what's your response to that? Are you a pessimist or are you an optimist? Are you a pessimist like the spirit of Eeyore is on you? It's like, oh no, it'll, ah, that's horrible, that's horrible. No, 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 this is great opportunity. These are folks coming from nations that we can never get to, and they're coming to us, being resettled in our city and cities all around the world. This guy who worked for the Taliban, he gets into Europe, crosses the path of one of our international workers there, and he is introduced to the most merciful God, Jesus, and becomes a follower of him. Friends, Jesus steps into impossible situations and makes all kinds of possibilities available to us and for those who don't know him. As we think about the global work of Christ, the potential is vast. Nothing is impossible with Jesus. The third one is simply this. It's best done in partnership. Peter's fishing with Jesus. Let down your nets. He has the best day of business ever. And then he cries out, help. To his partners, he's got so many fish. Let me tell you something about fishermen. We do not cry out for help. (laughs) When we catch a fish, we keep the rod in the water, especially if you're in a boat. You don't want people to know you have a fish. And you certainly don't know what you you want them to know what we caught the fish on. And if people ask questions, we just deny everything. I don't know what you're talking about. You know, there's a rod just doing this in in the water. (laughs) Fishermen do not cry out for help. But when they do, something big is happening. Something big is happening with Peter and he cries out for help and his partners in business come over, James and John, and they begin hauling in all these fish and the the boats are filled up to the gunnels. These boats are about 25 to 30 feet long, eight feet wide. 
That's a lot of fish. And the boats are, they're, they're just like the water lines just below the gunnels and it, they could sink. And, um, and this partnership allows the, the harvest of fish to be taken in. Let me just tell you this, friends. There was a day when missionaries went out and they went out as pioneers and trailblazers and went to places where the name of Jesus has never been spoken. And there are some of those places left, but there's not as many of those. But what's happening now is that when we enter into the global work of Christ, it's best done in partnership with others. And Joe and Kay Kong would tell you that when they were in Cambodia, that some of the best days for them is when they got emails or they got phone calls or they had family and friends who came and visited them who supported them, who poured in spiritual nutrition into them, who brought them gifts from home. Trina and I served in Hong Kong. We planted an international church there. And you know, we, maybe we're down and we're kind of feeling the burden of the ministry and you get an email. It's like three or four sentences. I can't even begin to tell you how powerful those sentences were for us in those moments. They sustain you. Partnership is hearing those who are out there at the ends of your earth and they're saying, help. And there are people who are coming to their aid to encourage and to pour courage into them. And we'll talk more about that here in a moment. So uh, again, another one lessons. Best done in partnership. Potential's vast. Jesus is the, he's the God of the impossible. And lastly, I'll say this. This is a vision worth going for. Let me, let me just speak to this moment. I don't know if you caught this in the story. Peter, he's a small business owner. He's fishing. He's not cleaning fish, he's cleaning his nets. He goes out, best day of business. He comes, as he's coming back, there's this moment where he falls down before Jesus and he realizes that Jesus is in a category in which he feels very small because of what he's just experienced. He's worked hard all night long. He knows what he's doing and what's just happened here could only be the work of God. And he falls on his knees and says, depart from me, Jesus, I'm just... I just can't, I'm not even worthy to be in your presence. And in, 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 a, in a few moments, Jesus will then say to him, don't be afraid. Don't be intimidated, Peter. Don't be fearful in my presence. Because here's what's happening. You used to be a fisherman, but now I'm going to make you a fisher of people. Literally what the text says, you used to catch fish, but now I'm gonna show you how to catch people alive. And this vision captures Peter. He gets to the shore. He leaves his small business at the seaside and follows Jesus. It captures him. And it captures James and John as well. And he leaves it all because of this vision that Jesus places before him. Fast forward three and a half years. It's Pentecost. Peter gets up and he preaches his first sermon. It's a little rough. It's kind of blunt. God sent his son. You killed him. You're in big trouble. It's a spirit-empowered sermon. And the people are cut to the heart. And they're saying, how can we be saved? Friends, the nets were breaking again. 3,000 people enter into the family of God that day. Because Peter allowed his heart to be captured by a vision. Some of you may know the story of John Scully uh, when he was working for Pepsi. Remember when Coke decided to change the recipe some years ago? I think it was like in the 80s or something like that. And Coca-Cola was kind of taking a nosedive. Well, Scully was the CEO of PepsiCo. And PepsiCo was like, I mean, it was like up and to the right. It was, these were the glory days for Pepsi. And Scully was the CEO. 
There's this guy named Steve Jobs. He had a small business in his garage. He had four employees. And he knew he needed someone who was savvy, who had connections to take Apple to this next step. And so he began meeting with John Scully and asking him to leave his job at PepsiCo. I mean, his over a million dollar plus job, his salary, to leave that and to join Apple. And he met with them like every week for five months. And every time Scully just sort of, I'm not ready to make that move. In fact, after five months, Scully told Steve Jobs, stop coming and visiting me. I'm not joining Apple. And Jobs was sitting across from Scully as he sat behind his desk. And, and as it's told by, by John Scully, CNBC has this story, Bloomberg uh, tells the story. Jobs stands up, he's got jet black hair, and he just squares off with Scully in the eyes. And he pauses. He looks at him, he says, do you want to sell sugar water for the rest of your life or do you want to come with me and change the world? And Scully says, I gulped. And he left his job at Pepsi and he joined Apple and the rest is history. Can I just say this to you today? There are some of you who need, I just need to be direct and blunt with you. Some of you are giving your time and your resources to sugar water. You're giving your, you're giving your life to the temporal and there's this vision, there's this, this vision that Christ is extending to you and he's saying, come follow me and I'm gonna teach you how to catch people alive. But the sugar water is more compelling than the vision that Christ has given to you. But there are plenty of people in the room who are going after the vision. So don't hear me on this, but could it be that one of the things that Jesus is saying to you, to me, to us as a church family is, hey, this stuff is forever. This, it's not that your work is meaningless. Your work is hugely important. It's your ministry. It's your worship. But there's a mission that Christ has given to us, and he wants to teach you how to catch men and women and boys and girls alive. Do you want to you spend the rest of your life making sugar water, or do you want to change the world with Jesus? And that's the invitation before us. And friends, this story tells us is that there is a Christ who would come on mission that would tell us the potential is vast, that he can do the, the impossible, and we can work together to embrace this mission and vision together. We don't have to do it alone. It'd be exhausting if we did it alone. But we get to do it together, and this is a vision worth leaving the nets at the seaside for. Now, how could that happen? How do we practically embrace this mission together? Let me just give you a few examples. Here, first one, there are some of you in, in this room who God is calling, and it, you're going. He's, he's tugging on your heart, and he's saying, hey, look, I've got a call for you to the nations. I'm not for a moment gonna think that that, that couldn't be possible in this room. There's, in fact, there's several of you in this room right now where God's speaking to your heart, and the next step for you is just to make a call and say, what do I do? What's the next step? Because he's tugging on you. He's saying, I, I, I need you in the nations. I want I wanna use you in the nations. That, that's, that's one thing, one way for you to respond is simply by just making a phone call. You know, call Michelle, call me, call, call, call anyone here at the church. We'll get you pointed in the right direction. That's one way you can engage. Another way you can engage is be part of one of our short-term missions trips and see what's going on in, in, in the nations so that your heart will be caught up in, in joining, joining Christ and what he's doing. But there's some really simple ways that you can engage as well. 
When you came in today, you probably saw some posters on this lobby wall. Below the posters are little cards. And the, the posters are uh, some of our international workers and our local uh, workers, uh, the, the pictures on, on, on the screen behind me. And um, the, these folks are all over the world. And below is a card. And look, here's one simple way that you can engage in this mission. I mean, if, you're, if you call yourself a Christ follower, friends, this is like low-hanging fruit. This is, this is really easy, a really easy way to, to engage. You could go to the poster. Right below, there's a couple. Uh, you'll see some uh, postcards. I grabbed a couple. Uh, one I grabbed was uh, Mike and Renee Olivier. Mike and Renee were part of the same Alliance Church. Mike is uh, deaf, hard of hearing. Renee is hearing and interprets. And they were right, they were part of this, this church. And they are being sent by the Christian Missionary Alliance as the very first deaf missionaries. And they're being sent out to Burkina Faso. They leave this summer. And uh, you could grab their card and you could read about the, the kind of work that they are going to do. They're going to be working with the deaf school, providing chapel services, evening Bible studies. Uh, Renee is going to be working with moms of deaf children. And then there's a whole list of ways you can be praying for Mike and Renee Olivier. Debbie Vick is one of our missionaries. Debbie is, is headed back to Thailand. And you could read about what Debbie is doing as far as a lay leadership program, about raising up local pastors. There's probably eight or nine ways that you could be praying for Debbie. You could grab her card or just kind of saunter through the whole lobby and grab one of those cards. Next week, we'll have more posters out there of some of our folks who are in creative access countries, countries that we, can't, we just keep, gotta be careful about showing faces. But one of the ways you can personally engage in this mission is just pray. Pray for them. Here's another way. You could grab one of these. It's called an encouragement card. They're in the pew rack in front of you. Now, some of you think that these are suggestion cards. They're not. They're encouragement cards. Okay? So you could take one of these and use them appropriately. Um, now, here's what we're, we're saying. If you will take one of these encouragement cards, go out there, find someone on that wall, and get their name. Just write their name on the front, uh, and then just write a couple, just write some encouragement. Maybe God will bring a, a passage of scripture to mind. Uh, just write an encouragement. We're praying for you, whatever it might be. You bring it next week. We'll have a basket in the lobby, or when the offering plate comes by, you just drop it in the offering plate, and we will mail all of them. We'll pay the postage and get them to the international workers, the local workers, that this will encourage them. Friend, this, this, this is significant. Don't minimize the power of a simple little postcard. These prayer cards, if you're single, you could just kind of work this into your prayer life. If you're, in a, if you're married, you could, if you got kids, you got dinner one night a week, Friday night, you can be praying for a missionary. Uh, small groups can be praying. That's, that's another way that you can be engaged in what, what Christ is doing all around the world. Look, He's inviting, He's calling. He likes you, he loves you, and he trusts you. You think about that? He trusts you to take the good news, the fresh baked bread of heaven to people who haven't yet tasted and seen how good God is. One more way you can engage. Then I'm done. Maybe. Get the app. Click on events, click on international work news, worker newsletter, click on that link, give us your information and you'll get a whole list of people that you can sign up to get their newsletter. The stories I'm telling you are stories that are on these newsletters. And you, can, you don't have to connect with everyone, just pick one. All right. The potential's vast. 
He's the God of the impossible. Best done in partnership. And this vision, this vision is eternal. And we get to be part of it. Let's pray about that. So Lord, thank you for trusting us. Thank you for loving us. Now, give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying. Lord, I thank you that you, you want us to enjoy life. I thank you that you've blessed us in so many ways. But remind us we have been blessed to be a blessing. So show us how to engage in the work that you were involved in at the ends of the earth. We want to be a people invested in the neighborhoods and a people invested in the nations. Be glorified. May the name of Jesus be made large all around our world. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. We are a community of believers located in downtown Salem, Oregon, and we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. If you have a request that we could pray for, please email us at prayers at salemalliance.org. If you'd like more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org.